Welcome to the Purple Political Breakdown. How's it going? How's your day been? And we are back on this Saturday morning as we are going to talk about the important news that all of y'all need to know that happened this recent week, as well as my commentary about those issues from my personal perspective. So with that said, let's dive right into it. This is the Purple Political News. First things first, let's start off with a little bit of bright news. Kansas City Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. Shout out Patrick Mahomes, the soon-to-be GOAT, as he aims for a back-to-back-to-back Super Bowl coming into the next year and really wants to threaten that GOAT status of Tom Brady. Excellent Super Bowl, very entertaining, and I've been picking the Chiefs. I think I said the Chiefs last week when I made a podcast episode, so shout out the Kansas City Chiefs for being Super Bowl champions. Um, So with that said, let's kind of talk about some very serious stuff regarding Israel and Palestine. So Israel and Palestine, as of right now, when it comes down to it, the prime minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, has ordered his military to prepare plans to evacuate nearly 1.5 million civilians from Gaza's southern city of Rafah, considered one of the last refugees for displaced Palestinian civilians. And the order comes ahead of an expected Israeli ground operation with Netanyahu seeking to dismantle four of Hamas's battalions that are believed to be in Rafah. Now, this is something serious because this is a border city to Egypt and um, Palestine. And because of this, even Biden was telling Netanyahu, also consider Rafah being this last place is highly congested in terms of the people in the location with, like it said, over a million people in this consolidated area, it makes things very dangerous for all parties involved. Biden warned Netanyahu, said that he should not conduct a military operation against Hamas and Rafah without a credible and executable plan to protect the civilians. That should matter the most, right? And coming into this, there were some potential ceasefire plans that not only Israel and the U.S. was a part of, but also Egypt and Qatar. They had these talks in Cairo, and they wanted to talk how they should proceed with Netanyahu's plan, of course. But it seemed like everything didn't go too well because apparently Egyptian officials threatened to suspend its peace treaty with Israel should the country's forces advance into the border city of Rafah. And this warning potentially is going to end over 40 years of stability with the Camp David peace accords. Now, Biden and Netanyahu actually spoke after this. I'm unsure what they spoke about, but it didn't seem like Netanyahu backed down, to be honest. It seemed like he went with it, and he did, as he did raid Rafa with troops, with ground troops. He did save two hostages um, storming a heavily guarded apartment in the southern Garden Gaza Strip and extracting the captives under fire in a dramatic raid that was a small but symbolically significant success for Israel, the people, and the government for saving these two hostages. Now, keep in mind that there is over, I think, 200 hostages that still need to be saved. And under this ground kind of escapade, uh, there was at least 67 Palestinians killed. 
And another unfortunate thing regarding this is that there was a proposal by Hamas. I think I said last week that the proposal was by Israel. I was incorrect there. The proposal was by Hamas with the three-step proposal to return civilians to Israel or return hostages to Israel um, with each phase being about 45 days apart. And they would start off with, you know, the elderly, the sick. They'll move on to uh, women, children, and then they'll move on to female soldiers with the male soldiers being kind of assurance for Hamas. So that's their plan. Netanyahu apparently turned it down. And the reasoning being that they were basically asking for a ridiculous proposal. I'm not sure what that proposal was other than like momentary ceasefire so we got to get that information because there is some speculation that with Netanyahu's aggressive military operations some of the officials are kind of off put by that now just because some officials are doesn't mean most of the people are not with Netanyahu and his plan but he really wants to take out some of the battalions that exist in Hamas so that's that's huge that's huge of course but with that said, there were other things that took place with a raid at a hospital. Uh, there was some belief that there is, um, with credible intelligence apparently, that there were some key figures at that hospital. Uh, apparently, it was one of the most the biggest and most stable hospitals for Gaza and the Palestinians. And a, a good number, I think, were injured and potentially killed at this hospital as well which is also very unfortunate uh let me make sure i have a number for you when it comes down to it uh there i think at least it seemed to be uh i think at least a few not i think i don't think over i don't have an exact number i'm sorry guys but I do have a number regarding an airstrike that took down that took place as well um, in Gaza, where at least 11 people were killed, including four children. So there's a lot of things going on and a lot of dissatisfaction, I'm sure, from the left in regards to the airstrikes and the military operation. But people said that, hey, man, it's better if you guys get people on the ground and take care of what needs to be taken care of. Netanyahu wants to end this. He wants to end this conflict once and for all, and he's being very aggressive with it. So I'm basically up to you what you guys think about his actions. Now, the conflict with Hamas is not the only thing that has been taking place, apparently, where there is also some strikes, a series of strikes across parts of neighboring Lebanon in retaliation for cross-border fire from Hezbollah fighters that killed one Israeli soldiers and wounded eight others, including seven civilians. At least three Lebanese civilians and one militant were killed in the strikes by Israel. Now, Hezbollah is another militant group that is backed by Iran, and apparently they have around 100,000 fighters, more than double Hamas. And if this Hezbollah and Israel start gaining, kind of engaging in conflict, that can be even a bigger war. That's something people don't want, of course. The in-country kind of conflict between Palestine and Israel is one thing. But once you start involving other countries outside of your borders, 
that's when it starts getting murky, especially with Egypt threatening to end their peace treaty. So I'm not really sure how that should kind of go about. Of course, uh, U.S. is still dealing with Yemen Houthi rebels. Uh, U.S. Central Command apparently seized a shipment of weapons sent from Iran to the Yemen Houthi rebels in the uh, Arabian Sea. So they're really trying to take them out of the equation. But yeah, it doesn't look good. And the last thing in regards to it, if you guys didn't know, uh, Israel asked the U.N.'s International Court of Justice to reject South Africa's urgent request to consider whether the Israeli military's planned invasion of the southern Gaza city of Rafah violate the court's provisional orders from last month in a case alleging genocide. Yeah, there's a lot. There's there's a lot that's going on between Israel and what they plan to do and the conflicts that they're gaining, getting into. I'm, I'm, it seems as of right now that Netanyahu is not willing to compromise. He's not willing to broker peace. And you can legitimate, legitimately criticize that position if peace is on the table. Will he truly accept it? As of right now, I'm unsure if he would based on his recent actions. So that's some news that you guys may be wondering, and I know it sounds pretty aggressive from what Netanyahu and Israel is doing, but at the same time, if if it is the case, this can truly end the conflict despite the casualties, you really have to kind of question the legitimacy considering this all started from the attack on October 7th. And I know people are going to say, oh, they were occupied for so long. That that situation is a lot more murky with Palestine doing what they've done for the last, like since like World War II and Israel has done what they've done. There was a lot of back and forth conflict and October 7th just kind of restarted it. And now Netanyahu wants to end it. So we'll kind of have to see what takes place after that, of course. Um, moving on to Donald Trump. Some people's favorite human being on the planet Earth. They pray to him, matter of fact. Apparently, Donald Trump was doing and saying a lot of dumb things recently as he suggests that the U.S. would not protect NATO allies. Uh, Stolenberg said such talk puts U.S. and European troops at greater risk. Trump said at a rally, Russia should be able to do whatever the hell they want to NATO members. NATO members not paying 2% of their GDP. The German government did not officially comment, but its foreign office pointed out a NATO solidarity principle once, one for all and all for one. This NATO creed keeps more than 950 million people safe, said the officer. And Polish President uh, Andrzej Duda, seen as friendly to Trump during his presidency, tweeted the Polish-U.S. alliance must be strong, regardless of who is currently in power in Poland and the USA. So even some of his allies are questioning it, and it'd be kind of crazy for him to say this, that they will let Russia do whatever the hell they want. It seems like Trump wants to kind of break ties, and I think at some point during his presidency, he was considering leaving NATO altogether. When it comes to his international connections, it seems like he'd rather be more friendly to Putin and King Jong Un to our actual uh, compared to our actual allies. It really makes you question things. Also, Trump verdict uh, to kind of talk about them a little bit. A decision in a civil trial against former President Trump, Donald Trump and the Trump Organization is expected. I'm actually going to talk about that in a bit, marking the end of a case that may limit the company's ability to operate in the state of New York. 
You know, let's talk about it right now. What that case is. Well, apparently Trump is ordered to pay nearly $355 million for fraudulent business practices in New York. A New York judge has ordered former President Donald Trump and executives at the Trump Organization to pay nearly $364 million in a civil fraud case, handing a win to New York Attorney General Letitia James who sued Trump and his associates after a three-year investigation. The Friday decision from Judge Arthur N. Goron orders Trump and his flagship organization to pay the bulk of that amount, nearly $355 million. Trump's two sons and co-defendants, Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr., are each liable for $4 million. Alan Weiselberg, a, a, a former Trump Organization executive, is liable for $1 million. The total is even greater with interest, more than $450 million overall, according to the Attorney General's office. The judge also decided to limit Trump and his co-defendants' ability to do business in the Empire State. Trump and his companies are prohibited from serving as an officer or director of any New York business or applying for loans for three years. His sons are limited from similar leadership roles for two years. Trump and his older two sons are accused. I'm going to get into the details of what they're accused of of knowingly committing fraud by submitting financial statements that inflated the value of their properties and other assets. The lawsuit alleges that from 2011 to 2021, Donald Trump and his organization created more than 200 false valuations to inflate his net worth by billions of dollars with the goal of getting better business insurance and banking deals. This is everything he's done, and he is now uh, sued for that $355 million. And it's going to be hilarious when Trump supporters who go like, oh, anti-government, anti-business and all that stuff, start trying to defend this man who's manipulating the system, who's taking money that he hasn't earned. But people are going to try to defend him because that's what Trump supporters do. Uh, so, yeah, that's one of the cases. Another case kind of went by where he was sued for a defamation case, I'm pretty sure. I think that was for like $70 million from my memory. But, uh, yeah, that took place as well. Um, so kind of go over some more of the verdicts. Prosecutors allege the firm manipulated the value of its real estate assets for financial and tax purposes. No juries involved in the case. Oh, yeah, that's the one that I just talked about. Uh, separately in Georgia, claims by Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis regarding her relationship with the top prosecutor were contradicted in court yesterday by a former close acquaintance. Mm, interesting. Willis, who brought an election interference case against Trump, is accused of hiring Nathan Wade as special counsel while the pair carried on a secret romantic relationship. A judge will decide, a judge will decide whether Willis should be disqualified from the case. So this district attorney brought someone that they have a secret relationship, secret romantic relationship with. Mm. Yeah, that's tough. That's not going to help you. I'm going to lie. Uh, finally, a March 25th start date was set in New York trial against Trump linked to alleged hush money payments in 2016 made to adult film star Stormy Daniels. Charges include falsifying business records and campaign finance violations. It will mark the first criminal trial of a former U.S. president. Man, Trump is going through a lot and he probably deserves it. I'll be honest. Uh, 
Let's talk about uh, Vladimir Putin, why don't we? Apparently, Putin told Russia state television he would work with any U.S. leader, but said he would prefer Biden's victory when asked who would be a better choice from Russia's point of view. This is what he said. Biden, he's more experienced, more predictable. He's a politician of the old formation. Putin's comments were his first about the upcoming U.S. presidential election, by the way. Putin mentioned Biden's health, saying alleged problems circulated when they met in Switzerland in June 2021, adding that he witnessed him in good shape. I'm not a doctor, he said, adding it was improper for further comment. And asked about the uh, the stuff regarding NATO funding, Putin described NATO as a U.S. foreign policy tool, adding that if the U.S. thinks that it no longer needs this tool, it's up to it to decide. So uh, it's it's interesting what Biden is doing or what Putin is doing here. It's really hard to say his intention. Is he trying to prop up Biden to piss off the Democrats so they don't vote for Biden? Or are they is he trying to kind of get people to say, oh, he's kind of uh, he kind of likes Biden so he can manipulate him, manipulate him. That's why we need Trump. Maybe he wants Trump more. I'm I'm kind of interpreting this as Putin playing playing games and basically wanting Trump to be in office because his his statement regarding NATO and that he said that if the US thinks that it no longer needs this tool it's up for it to decide Putin doesn't want the US connected to NATO Putin fears NATO Putin thinks that NATO is a hassle Trump constantly constantly tries to go against nato and even threatens to leave nato so it's very obvious to me these statements to prop up biden and talk about his health is to help trump that's what it seems like to me and speaking of a trump shill like tucker carlson he actually said putin did not get full satisfaction with tucker carlson's interview Call me surprised when you throw up layups and it gets too easy. Even even someone who makes the layups all the time gets bored. Tucker Carlson is a joke, I'm going to be honest. Um, with that said, let's kind of go into some other points. This may be interesting to some of y'all as they uh, kind of did a survey, kind of talking about a lot of people's worries and interpretations and what they perceive as threats and risks in the world as a whole. So. As of right now, it seems like the public doesn't see China and Russia as top threats. I'm going to kind of go into everything in a little bit more detail. Uh, China and Russia are considered less of a threat. Oh, now I also want to keep in mind, this survey was done with, like, I think around 12,000 people for the most part. The survey was taken from a lot of different types of people, from respondents from all these different countries that gave their response to these issues. So let's dive into it. China and Russia are considered less of a threat to Western populations now than a year ago, according to a new study, which points to rising concerns around non-traditional risks. Only citizens from the UK and Japan still consider Moscow a top risk this year, while Germany and Italy recorded a significant easing of concerns. Included in that were waning worries around the risk of nuclear conflict and disruptions to energy supplies. 
China was also seen more favorably this year than last by five of the G7 countries, with Canada and Japan the exceptions. Notably, though, Chinese respondents notably though, Chinese respondents saw all countries apart from Russia and Belarus as more threatening now than before. It was also the only country to say that the U.S. as a or consider them a threat. Perceptions of non-traditional risks increased across all countries, like I said in the first statement. However, with people around the world expressing concern about environmental threats, the risk of mass migration as a result of war or climate change and organized crime. So these are huge. These are things that people think are way more important risks as of right now going on in the world. Environmental issues ranked as a top three concern in all countries except the United States, which is eye opening at the very least. Cybersecurity issues, meanwhile, ranked as a top risk in China and the U.S. as both countries step up their restrictions against one another in the race of technological dominance. The majority of respondents in Western countries also said they see China and the global South becoming more powerful over the coming decade, while Western powers are more likely to stagnate or decline. Seems like there's some worry in terms of countries like China and the global South versus Western countries and the shifting of power. And the polling of all these people, countries uh, all across all the G7 countries, plus Brazil, India, China, and South Africa, few Western respondents believe that their country would be more secure and wealthy in 10 years' time. By contrast, most of by most of those in emerging economies that they will be better off financially and in political terms. And the last thing, the point, the findings point to a disconnect between. Uh, let me make sure I'm reading this right. Oh yeah, what the oh, what all this survey kind of indicates is that there is a disconnect between public sentiment and political policy as world leaders are meeting later in the week at the uh, Munich Security Conference to discuss what the organized called a downward trend in world politics marked by an increase in geopolitical tensions and economic uncertainty. So it seems like more people are, are concerned about other issues and being more standoffish in terms of these kind of conflicts and these wars that are taking place and especially the the perception of the dangers of Russia and China as of right now that you hear all the time into politics. In further news, AI-generated robocallers or robocalls are now illegal. The federal commission, uh, FCC, I'm going to say FCC, has made robocalls that use AI-generated voices illegal with immediate effect. The ruling comes amid a rise in robocalls Voters in New Hampshire received robocalls impersonating U.S. President Joe Biden ahead of the state's presidential primary. Bad actors are using AI-generated voices and unsolicited robocalls to extort vulnerable family members, uh, imitate celebrities, and misinformed voters. I've said that I've said this a while ago that this is going to be a problem, and I'm glad they finally made this stuff illegal. Uh, and 
this is just the tip of the iceberg because we also see these type of ads that are very sketchy and shady that exist on YouTube. So I think those need to become illegal just as well. And a little bit of a negative news. um, Unfortunately, we had more shootings that took place in America. The Lakewood church shooter took place at a church, a huge church in Texas, where a mother and her child brought in, I think, ARs to start shooting up the place. Luckily, there were off-duty officers to take care of her, kill her, and injure the child. Uh, Apparently, she had a whole history of mental illness problems as well as criminal history, and somehow she still had an AR. It only makes you question things. As well as the shooting that took place after the Chiefs Super Bowl win at the parade where some juveniles were in some type of dispute. We don't really know the details as of right now. And the shooting took place where some uh, mother died. I think oh, I think maybe 20 people were hurt or injured. It's just a crazy situation to take place when that was supposed to be a moment of celebration, a moment of excitement, a moment of fun. And then it's ruined by some idiots with guns. Basically, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but basically hurting the people. It really makes me think that a lot of these like grandiose public events that you know are going to have a lot of people. It makes me not want to attend these events because some idiot is going to potentially, potentially want to get their name on news, basically. Either that or they're dissatisfied about something or taking their anger on on the country, on the world. It's it's ridiculous. And yes, I understand the logic. I understand that the percentages. But moving forward, the argument that mental health and mental illness is the primary concern, which it is, and that it's not a gun issue at all, it's so disingenuous at this point because I keep on thinking about the conversation. I've talked about it on my podcast. And if we're going to fix mental health, that's going to be a cultural thing. So is the basically is the request or is the kind of now if is the thing that we do now, nothing until the mental health stuff is fixed. That seems ridiculous. We're just going to hope that mental health is fixed. Sure, we can put in programs to help fix it, but that won't fix the issues now. People think that this is just a one-step solution, but it's a multifaceted solution, and it should be. Mental health should be part of the equation. Fixing these poor, uh, poor environments should be a part of the equation, but also having safe gun laws should be part of the equation. The The solution that I hear from some of these kind of right-wingers is that, oh man, just put a gun in everybody's hand and everybody be safe. That's ridiculous. To think that I need to carry a weapon of death everywhere I go so I can protect myself is ridiculous. We shouldn't live in a society where you fear going out in public like that. So it's it's unfortunate because, yes, criminals obtain guns. But we can make it harder for criminal, criminals to use guns in a effect, um, 
effectful way successful manner i was almost saying effectful so I don't understand why people are not willing to engage in the, the broader conversation, but they are so willing to defend their position that they don't really think about the consequences of being so unwilling to compromise. Yes, you get some clout being a Second Amendment truther, even though the guy from uh, the NSA, the I think the CEO was... Uh, basically cut for corruption. So, I mean, I guess he's your leader, but whatever. It's crazy that people are so steadfast on these positions, but it doesn't serve any inherent purpose. More gun knowledge is appropriate. Taking away someone's right to have a gun is is fine, but making it harder for criminals to possess a gun, making it harder for the mentally unwell to possess a gun, making these areas more secure should be part of the equation as well so that's a little my little rant regarding uh mass shootings at this point the logic behind it doesn't take into consideration the impact behind those numbers but let's move on uh caitlin clark a little bit more positive news caitlin clark broke the ncaa women's scoring record um as recently and she's definitely a star i heard someone say that caitlin clark and even angel reese are becoming bigger stars than NCAA men right now. I think as of right now, they're bigger stars. I mean, I think Cooper Flag is still in high school, so until he comes into college, these those two probably are the biggest college basketball athletes that exist right now, which is interesting, right? And they're going to be stars when they go in the WNBA moving forward. So shout out Kaylin Clark. Keep on doing your thing. Uh, moving on, the House of Representatives – impeach homeland security secretary alejandro mayor cuss by a 214 to 213 vote for allegedly violating immigration laws over his handling of the southern u.s border um my i'm just gonna say alejandro alejandro is the second cabinet member in u.s history to be removed from office following the 1876 impeachment of then-Secretary of War, William Belknap. Yeah, this was an interesting situation. Basically, the two perspectives are as follows. Uh, Alejandro faced two articles of impeachment filed by the Homeland Security Committee, arguing that he willingly and systematically refused to enforce existing immigration laws and that he breached the public trust by lying to Congress and saying the border was secure. The critics, the opposite opinions, is that the charges against Alejandro amount to a policy dispute over Biden's border strategy, hardly rising to the Constitution's bar of high crimes and misdemeanor. It seems like the people that are trying to impeach him are pissed off regarding what's going on on the border, but doesn't necessarily mean that he has done anything unlawful based off the constitution. So it, it's interesting how this is going to play out moving forward. Uh, speaking of Congress, U.S. congressional leaders expect to meet with national security officials over new classified information or intelligence about Russia's attempt to develop space-based anti-satellite nuclear weapons. The U.S. has gathered highly sensitive intelligence about Russian anti-satellite weapons that has been shared in recent weeks 
with the upper echelons of government. According to four people who had been briefed on the intelligence, the people who were not authorized to comment publicly said the capability was not yet operational. The intelligence sparked an urgent but vague warning Wednesday from the Republican head of the House Intelligence Committee who urged the Biden administration to declassify information about what he called a serious national security threat as they want to not only speak about this publicly, but speak about this with their allies as well. There's no proof that it has any nuclear potentiality or nuclear abilities or capabilities right now, but there is a fear that it will affect our satellites and maybe even much worse. So that is an ongoing story. In further news, North Korea and Iran are using AI for hacking. Microsoft said Wednesday the U.S. adversaries, chiefly Iran and North Korea, and to a lesser extent Russia and China, are beginning to use generative AI to mount or organize offensive cyber operations. Microsoft said it detected and disrupted many threats in collaboration with business partner partner OpenAI. It said the techniques were early stage and neither novel nor unique. Critics of the public release of ChatGBT and releases by competitors contend security was largely an afterthought in their development. Edward Amoroso, an NYU professor and former AT&T chief security officer, said AI and large language models will eventually become a powerful weapon in every nation's military. He's not wrong. I told you about the statistics and the worries in terms of certain things and hacking and AI technology should be a huge part of our national security moving forward. Some other details and statistics, Japan officially enters a recession and the UK slips into a recession um, regarding the recent quarters and, um, you know, what has happened recently. So they have fell down on the economic kind of list, so to speak. Uh, Alexei Navalny, Alexei, 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 Alexei is Russia's famous opposition leader dies. Navalny rose to prominence more than a decade ago while lapooning President President Vladimir Putin and the Russian elite, whom he accused of vast corruption, avarice, and opulence. Navalny, I'm just going to say Alexei, Alexei felt unwell after a walk to the Ike 3 Pino colony in Corp, about 1,200 miles northeast of Moscow. He lost consciousness almost to the Polar Wolf prison in Corp. Condemnation quickly poured in from Western governments. Dreadful news about Alexei, another terrible crime by Putin's regime. The expect or the idea or the, I guess, theory is that Maybe Putin was involved with the death of his biggest and most famous opposition. Um, in other news, in regards to people when kind of threatening the, the leaders, apparently a FBI informant that was huge in the case of like Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, and I think their impeachment and certain allegations was found to be lying about the entire thing. So all those people who use this information are looking kind of silly now. I'm just being honest. And the last bit of news is an interesting bit of news. Korean food scientists grow beef inside rice, rice grains. 
the cell cultured protein rice could produce or prove to become a superfood. Scientists use fish gelatin, a safe and edible ingredient that helps cell la- cells latch onto the rice, then seeded cow muscle and fat stem cells into it. After 9 to 11 days, the cell-cultured beef rice was harvested. The rice provided a natural structure and nutritional profile for the meat cells to grow. This hybrid rice is more traditional than traditional rice with 8% more protein and 7% more fat. Compared to traditional rice, the hybrid rice was firmer and more brittle. If commercialized, this rice could cost around two point twenty two two point two three or $2.23 per kilogram. So, oh, and beef costs about $15 per, gram, per kilogram. So it could one day serve as a food relief for uh, uh, nations, famine, in terms of providing you a healthy amount of protein in the scale of rice. So that's an interesting thing that could be kind of revolutionary in terms of our food market. But with that said, that is all the news that I am covering today. There is quite a lot today versus other days. I'm going to make sure I'm going to be much more detail-oriented in terms of my news that I'm kind of telling you. And it's going to get better and better, more official, more professional, of course. And also something that I want to point out to you all that I will be streaming when I kind of go over all the news Fridays the day before, before I watch some WWE SmackDown, of course. So that is all we got today. I hope you guys all enjoyed today's episode. There's some dire news. There's some unfortunate news, but there's some entertaining news and some bright spot news there as well. Um, If you guys like at any point want to kind of tell me what kind of news you want, feel free to let me know that. Of course, I'm going to make sure I'm going to get a healthy supply of like progressive news, not progressive, like the, the political ideology, but progressive in terms of the improvement of society and the improvement of humanity. So hope you guys enjoyed. If you guys did enjoy this, rate this five stars, like, and subscribe on the YouTube channel. I did change the YouTube channel name to Riddell PD at Riddell PD. So it can kind of encapsulate all the content that I do over there. So make sure you do that. Go to the website, check out all the content, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com. Y'all have a good one. Take care. And we'll see you next Saturday. Peace.